What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Random Car Guys. Mike and here, your host, back with another episode. Very good episode coming today, uh, all the way from Wales. Now, on Instagram, everyone probably calls you Leon, but there's probably a thing that like all your mates are like, ah, oh, we know him as Ollie. So I'll let you introduce yourself as whatever you want to be called at. But all the way from Wales, uh, the one and only... Leon Ollie Window. There it is. Uh, I did listen to your uh, your Driven Chat podcast. It was very good. It gave a great backstory into kind of how you started and, and got into the home security stuff, was it? Yeah, so um, should I give you a brief rundown? Yeah, why not? So I'm Jack the Lad, as we would say in Wales, and um, I'm 40 years old, and I've been a car petrol head. I don't know, since as long as I can remember. I used to read Classic and Sports Car Magazine, which is a bit of a cult magazine in the UK. I used to read that from the age of 13 or 14, and I studied that a lot harder than I did uh, my exams. So I left school at 16. The headmaster said, you can leave or I can make you leave. Uh, <laughs> so I said, I said, I better go then, sir. Uh, it was always polite. And what happened then? I went into the big wide world of work, and I did every uh, crap job under the sun. Uh, you know, I peeled potatoes, I collected oil, I cleaned cars, I did anything that you could think of. And I fast got into sales and uh, knocking door to door for ADT, American Direct Telecom, big, large American conglomerate security company. And anyway, the engineers were earning more than the lads knocking the doors. So I retrained or I trained for the first time and uh, I became a, an apprentice security engineer. And fast forward to that career, because uh, we'll get onto cars, but I, I worked my way up from apprentice to project manager and then started my own business. And that business, uh, I had the bit between my teeth for that business. It was my first business. I was super passionate for it. I'd get up early and work seven days a week. I did that for three years almost. And then we did the bit, we run the business for 10 years and I sold it to Stanley Black and Decker, another American company. I sold it to them, DeWalt Drills, sold it to them in 2019, um, two weeks before COVID, um, which was handy um, because I probably would have gone bankrupt because we were flying so close to the wind and we were growing so fast, so quick. Uh, but you know, it was very hand to mouth. We had to find six figures a month every month to break even. And what happened then? I, um, I went from being 100 miles an hour to being zero miles an hour with a load of money in the bank inside my garden and a big empty building, which is the building where Battle House and Low Classics is. It was our headquarters. Obviously, Stanley, Stanley didn't need a little headquarters in Wales, so they moved out. And, yeah, and that's when um, I started scratching around. That's when I lost my way a little bit, and I, um, I didn't really know what I was going to do for a living and do, what I, and do what I do. But I'd always been a fan of classic cars and minis, and I'd been racing minis during my during my times of um, my, my main business, uh, because in the UK you can you can offset the costs of some of your racing as marketing. So a lot of people with businesses go and do motorsport, and it was fantastic. It's um, that feeling when you're lining up on the grid and there's 30 Mini Cooper S's, all identical, and the, the checkered flag drops, and you're going. And these cars, they're 100 horsepower, but they weigh half a ton. And they're screamers. They rev to 9 to 10,000. Uh, I get told off for revving it to 10 because that normally means an engine rebuild. But, um, and it was fantastic, and I fell in love with it. And, um, and I fell in love with all things historic motorsport and classic cars and got into it in a big way. So I decided to start uh, Low Classics, which is at L-O-W-E, and then Classics. So that's my initials, Leon Ollie Window. And then the E stands for 
if you're Irish, idiot, or um, uh, it could be entrepreneur, or it could be engineering. It could, the E can mean whatever you want it to mean. Exciting. How about that? Yeah. Um, and that's where we are now. And then, uh, well, during this time, I met the Battle Culture a lot, which is at Battle Culture. And um, a friend of mine, George, obviously being a Welsh lad, you know George North, Welsh rugby. Um, um, I got to know him through my previous business, and we were riding bikes a few times. And uh, he said, hey, do you fancy coming to ride bikes on the Distinguished Gentleman's Drive? which is a mental health and men's prostate cancer charity event to raise money and awareness for men uh, all over the world. And the movement of that has become huge with Mark Howe, you know, leading, leading it and uh, the big man himself over in Australia. And um, we're big advocates of that now, but that is how Battle Culture got together. So I think probably before we talk about low, I'll tell you about Battle. And um, I met this crazy bunch of guys, uh, uh, Andrew Harrison, Andrew Salt, Sam Damon, um, Jamie Hibbard, who was one of the one of the first members that went off on to uh, other and better things, maybe, and um, and George North, and we um, we did all this together. And I had an empty property, so I had this empty building, and so we started because of COVID. Our local biker coffee shop had closed down. They were up to sale, and obviously, you know, there was a good time for them to sell. I think they sold it for houses or something. And we were like, well, we haven't got anywhere to go. So we started doing coffee from the back of a mobile van, which was George's mobile van, because he's a big coffee advocate. And he uh, he lent us the van, and we started doing takeaway coffees from it. We had five people, then we had 50 people. And then I think on our first opening of an evening event, we had 500 people turn up, and they shut the road down. The bikes parked everywhere, because we didn't ticket it. Um, I was actually away that event, so that was a great time not to be here. And um, remember, the police came, and there was rubberneckers, uh, which in the UK, a rubbernecker is when there's an accident or when there's an event going on. They're looking out the window, rubbernecking, and they um, there was a car accident outside, and all the rest of it, so carnage. And it's the typical battle culture where you want to start with. But we, um, these guys are. Solid bunch of guys. I mean, I'm very proud of them. They are they're a young bunch. I mean, I'm 40 and they're they're in their 20s. Uh, or George is now 30, and uh, but they're in their late 20s. They've never run a business before. Most of them have come back come from a sporting background, apart from Andrew Harrison, who is uh, we think he's a spy. No one actually knows what he does. For a <laughs> he disappears like two weeks on end and comes back. He has like large black cases. He drives a black Range Rover and he's like I don't know. He's up to something. He won't tell us. But his handle on Instagram is at atharris 7 so it's got to be something linked to that. Anyway, so we don't ask him anything because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be killed. Um, so anyway, uh, we've got this amazing bunch of guys and we've started really organically. So we've started with no investment and, uh, or like minimal, I think it was like a thousand quid or 2000 quid each. And then it raised to like a bit more after that. And so that's small in most company terms of how your business is started. And we started doing coffee, then we did cakes, then we did pasties. Um, so for anyone in America, do you know what pasties are? I don't know if you do, but if you don't, try them out. They're amazing. Uh, they're yeah. Cornwall. And um, yeah, little baked pastries of deliciousness full of uh, meat and potato and vegetables. Uh, you're missing those, aren't you, Mike? Oh, mate, I miss a Greg's chicken bake so much. It's the <laughs> first thing I get when I come home. Really? So Greg, yeah. Greg's everywhere. Greg's everyone is the uh, McDonald's of pasties and baked delights in the UK. Basically. Uh, it's a franchise, yeah, and it's, it's very good. Cheap and onion is mine. My wife named our dog after Greg's. We have a dog called Greg's. Oh, brilliant. Okay, yeah. high five wife. Yes. And um, 
so um and anyway so that and the battle business has just gone from strength to strength um every single penny's been reinvested in it and there's no uh, no one's actually made any money from it but it's an amazing kick-ass business and um we're just growing we're onto something special we have we've made something which is more of more than just a cafe it's an event space it is it's like a clubhouse an event space a meeting space we've got Old dudes, old biker dude, petrol heads, uh, and we've got people of every age, from 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 newborn babies to um, the people. Uh, I don't know. I want to say on their last legs, but uh, most of our customers are not. But they'll laugh at that maybe. And um, these guys have told us that we've given them a reason to live again. Now it's that deep stuff um, because back in the sixties and seventies, there were a lot of petrol head kind of cafes where people would cafe races and they would go and um, meet up and do all this type of thing. And we've done the same thing here. So we've got guys who are opening up, they're talking, they come to us, they're saying about this and this and that. And, you know, and um, we've built a wonderful thing here. We've built a community and um, and we're very proud of it. And now we have a clothing store here. There's the odd bike build that we do. Uh, we do events. So when we travel a lot with the bikes and we review bikes, we get bikes to trial. And who knows, who knows what it is exactly, but it's special very special and hopefully one day we'll replicate that specialness around the UK and we'll do a few more but it's early days for that and um, everyone else in battle's probably got their head in their hands now thinking what the hell he's pitching us up for but um, I'm very proud of it and um, I um, I didn't realise uh, during the COVID thing and all the rest of it and all that is when uh, I lost myself I lost my way a bit because I didn't know what to do with myself you know and um, yeah, it seems like, you know, I had a load of money in the bank and the sun was shining, so the only thing you do in Wales is go for a beer or, or a million of them. And um, and anyway, and um, that's not the best answer for anything in life, but um, that was my life for the last couple of years. And um, long story short, um, I now realise what an amazing place it is and what an amazing bunch of people I've got. And um, yeah, it's incredible. And uh, the future is very bright for Battle. And um, yeah, if anyone wants to check it out or follow us, uh, or if you're ever in the UK, come and visit us. Come to our coffee shop. We get people from all over the world want to come here. It's up there with your bike shed, your caffeine and machine and all the rest of it. And it's, it's authentic. We are a real garage. Uh, we are actually doing real work here and we are really selling cars and bikes. So I think that gives us a little bit of a different edge to everyone else, which is, um, yeah, it's real, you know. Um, so that's that. Next, we've got Low Classic. Low Classics shares the space with Baffle. And Low Classics is my little baby of an idea for a car business. And I wanted, when I run my previous business, Select, I set out, this was 2009, and I started advertising on social media because I didn't have any money. And so 2009, I'm like, right, I'm going to advertise all my business and everything. I'm going to put photos of our work. I'm going to put all that on Facebook because that's all you had by then. Maybe a bit of Twitter. And everyone was like, why are you doing that? Why are you putting stuff on there? You're crazy. Put it in the newspaper. Do a radio advert. All the rest of it. I was like, it's free. And then all of a sudden, we got thousands of followers. And all of a sudden, we started growing this super successful and fast company. And then all of a sudden, you know, fast forward now to 10 years later, when I sold the company, six of the members of the staff who work for me have gone on to have their own successful businesses. And guess what? Obviously, they just use social media for advertising. Mm. Um, so I've always tried to be a little bit ahead of the curve and try and do things. Like, I'm a risk taker, and I would always try and do things I, w- I wouldn't be scared to try new things. I'm still not. And um, sometimes that bites you in the ass. I'm going to say ass for you Americans, not ass. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is an adult podcast. Yes. And um, I told the kids out there as well, I suppose, and say hello to everyone else. But uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, so long story short, Low Classics was a hobby turned into a business, and it is a super passion of mine. We don't buy any cars. So what we do is um, we have lots of stock. 
but I'm uh, I suppose officially I'm a broker. So so you've got it. You've got a BMW. Uh, you want to sell it, and you, uh, we like to deal with enthusiasts and people who cherish and care their, their cars, and then we sell them to people likewise. So we're selling cared for assets, vehicles, cherished automobiles, uh, on to other people, and. Because of that, we're a solid and steady business because we haven't invested in stock. So we don't go to the auctions and buy a load of crap and uh, tart it up and then sell it on. And uh, what we do is we um, we sell other people's vehicles for them and we take a small percentage, like a very small percentage, between 5 and 10% of what the vehicle sells for. For that, we detail within an inch of its life. We prep, we do minor repairs, we do the logistics, we collect uh, with lovely covered trailer and 4x4. Uh, we, we typically use Range Rovers over here because um, they tow really well and, um, and they're comfortable. Um, they're also super unreliable. Sorry, Land Rover, but they are. <laughs> but being Brits, we're used to that, and we don't mind parking on the side of the road. We love queuing, don't we? So, we uh, do. Yeah, we don't mind waiting for, for stuff to happen. However, when they work, they're the best vehicle on the road, uh, in my opinion, uh, as an all-rounder, you know? Um, and... That's what we do. So we, and then because we've got these beautiful vehicles, we park them uh, in a like, like a big box next to the cafe, and it sees like you can see through the racket, and the stock is changing weekly. So then the um, so it's cool for people who are coming here. Every, the, the the vision and the dynamics and the view of the place, the cars changes every week. So there's always something fresh. So at the moment, current stock we've got in DeLorean, uh, imported from America, one owner, fourteen thousand miles, one of the most original ones you'll probably find. Uh, what else? We've got a C2 Corvette um, race car, 1965 FIA race car, so eligible for Goodwood, Le Mans Classic, Spa, um, and um, various other things, minis, uh, Land Rovers, uh, BMW M4. Uh, we've got a Lambo Urus coming in next week, which is, I'm not sure if that's a modern classic. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it, but uh, we've got it coming in. Uh, that's a big ticket item. But um, anyway, um, I'm sure a footballer will buy that. If there's any footballers or American footballers you want to ship over, you don't mind right-hand drive, call me. Um, and a beautiful Aston Martin, which just got off um, uh, off your main man, Tom Newton, Aston Martin in Bristol. So um, we've got some lovely stock. If anyone wants to have a look at it, we put videos and little bits of information up online about it all the time. But let's talk about the Corvette. Yeah, so tell I'm me about a, that. I'm tell me about that test you did in it because I saw the Instagram post and I was like, "This sounds so good." Yeah. So um, it's a C2 Stingray. It's in silver with a yellow nose and a yellow stripe paint painted down it. Very, very, very cool car. It was built at a cost of two hundred thousand pounds, which is what at the moment three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give, uh, yeah. Two fifty at least. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So it's a crazy, crazy, crazy. I, I don't know which Stingray, obviously, everyone. Uh, but yeah, um, I like to pluck figures, <laughs> being a car salesman. But uh, I am um, very interested. So I drove it on track to shake down and to do a video and to help sell it. And uh, there was a guy there, um, well, there was a guy from the Netherlands who wanted to buy it, who we're still chatting to. Um, the market over here is pretty crazy at the moment. There's a lot of scaremongering and a lot of stuff, but people are still buying. You know, maybe stuff is not exactly the same values, the crazy inflated values that are during COVID. Mm. I think things are just coming back to what they should be. 130 miles an hour in third gear. That's what that car would do on the straight at Silverstone. It's absolutely terrifying. Um, when you enter in a corner, you're holding on to the steering wheel like this. And I'm, I'm used to driving front-wheel drive minis with 100 horsepower, not 500 horsepower to wet. And um, the thing is all over the place, you know? And in the corners and all the rest of it, it's twitching and all the rest of it. My God, was it exciting? 
um, has the biggest smile on my face ever. And the noise. I can see why these American, why you American dudes, why you love these cars, because, my God, the feeling of a V8 rumbling, of a well-sorted, tuned V8, um, is incredible. Um, so there we are. So, yes, yeah, so that was my adventure into those. Now we're selling, and, um, and we, we, we've got a really good reputation for selling race cars. So we are, um, yeah, we specialize in doing race cars, and um, if anyone's listening, they want their race cars sold, you know, um, slide into my DMs. But, um, the, um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, we will have a go at anything really as long as it's kind of cool and looked after mm-hmm. yeah I yeah. saw the uh, was it the Datsun race car you had f- this year Ooh. that thing that, I, kind of that thing looked mega that raced in Laguna Seca uh, in the 70s and uh, it was built uh, it was one of it was an original Datsun on Nissan race car team race car uh, that's now in the UK being raced, but um, that was a special car. That was imported into the UK in the 90s, I think, um, or, or late 90s, early 2000s, and uh, had a full restoration. The history file on it was like this. It was huge, massive, big pile of paperwork. Every single photo from back in the day, from when it was originally like a matte black color with hand-painted numbers on the doors, to the SCCA, is that right? Is that the uh, you know the sports car racing yeah, yeah, yeah. association mm-hmm. America? Um, stock car, car maybe it might have been stock cars oh. yeah yeah so we raced in all that and um, an IMSA all that kind of stuff so yeah uh, very cool and I'm still learning a lot about American racing and motorsport um, there's some amazing stories and some great programs on Netflix about it and um, yeah I'm really into American cars at the moment and I'm enjoying them once they I mean once they get sent over here we make them handle yes <laughs> they actually go around corners and don't just turn left yeah, because we've got we've got tiny, small, tight racetracks really compared to the American racetracks. So we have to uh, yeah we have to get to turn in. Um, but yeah, really exciting. And um, yeah, one day it would be nice to be racing uh, racing by myself. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So listening listening to you chat and stuff, obviously your story coming up and, and been huge huge passion for cars and bikes since day one. I assume it was bikes first. No, not at all. No. Oh, really? So it was. Well, I was first on the road in a 50cc scooter, and that's, um, uh, that's because I lost my license at an early age, unfortunately. Um, and um, um, where do I go with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, being Jack the Lad when I was younger, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, so I lost my license early on, unfortunately, and uh, before I could drive. And, um, yeah, so I had to have a 50cc scooter while all my friends had cars, so that was heartbreaking. But, no, I've always liked cars. My dad was into minis and jags and all the rest of it, and so... It was always um, rubbed off on me, and my family were always into vehicles and cars. And that classic and sports car magazine, uh, you know, I just do love re- reading about all the old race cars and cars in there. But um, my first car uh, was a Ford Sierra, and that cost thirty pounds. <laughs> That's how old I am, everyone. But it was um, it was a, a hell of a rock box of a car. Um, that didn't last very long. I think that boiled over. And my second car was a Ford Escort van. So I think you had four Escorts in America. That would have been a super budget cheap car. And it was a fat background, so it had a slant in the back. And um, I think I had some pillows and a little bit of a mattress in the back. I'm not sure why. Um, but, yeah, and um, blew, that blew up on Christmas Day, that, that car. Um, and, yeah, and then after that, I just had vans for work and uh, a Vauxhall or a GM, as you guys would call it, uh, GM Astras. Um, yeah, loads of those. But my first... Um, my first proper fast car, my first proper amazing car was a 944 S2, mm. a Porsche, uh, which I bought for £2,000. 
in 2008-2009 and I kept that car for a long time and I turned it into a club sport build and there's some pictures on my Instagram of it and um, yeah it was white roll cage had Toyo written up the side of it because I used to use Toyo tyres um, KW suspension um, it had the proper safety devices uh, the club spec roll cage which I found on eBay one day which you can't buy for them um, we had to ratchet strap the roll cage together to get it in the car you know, lucky it's got a big hatch here. Like, well, that car, uh, the 944S2, would have turbo brakes all the way around. The brakes on the front are the same size as the brakes on the rear. So that car would stop uh. so well. Mine still brake really well now. Probably the best braking sports car you can get. And uh, yeah, so that, and um, I'll tell you a story about Porsche. And um, me and um, my ex, uh, we went to, when we, were, when we were first dating, 2009, we, we drove to, I said, let's go on holiday to Europe in my £2,000 Porsche. And then um, I put the suspension on it, and or someone had put the suspension on it for me. And we'd done a few jobs on it, but not, 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 not loads. And we drove to Europe. Now, one of the lovely things about living in the UK or in Europe is you can visit seven countries in a week. So we did that. So we went from Wales into England, into France, into Austria. And first of all, in Austria, I remember we had dinner, and... I left the sunroof. It's like a moonroof on a line called four. It opens at the back, big crack, and you can take it out. It's like a target, but not a target. And uh, my ex-wife at the time, she looked at me and she said, um, you've left your roof open. And I was like, it's only open that much. And I said, and she said, but it's raining. And I said, well, typical book. I was at the bar with a beer. And I said, well, the rain's going that way and the roof's open this way. <laughs> <laughs> Next morning, I the car. It had uh, Sparco bucket seats. There was a good few inches of water. I sat in squelch and I sit down in the water. And uh, I'm like this in the window, smiling. I pull up at the hotel and she said to me, she said, it's soaking, isn't it? <laughs> you know, angry. She got in and there was all these Austrian girls in their typical Austrian dress, a little bit like the Welsh dresses that uh, our, our ladies wear on St. David's Day. And they started scooping the water out with cloths, buckets, everything. That's how much water was in. The rain was like 50p coins in size. We then drive from Austria to Italy, down um, to uh, Lago di Como, uh, Lake Como. And um, uh, I think on the way, she asked me to take her to the airport because she'd had enough. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I talk a lot anyway. So imagine being in the car with me for seven days and it's a wet car. Anyway, we, uh, that was a wonderful trip. We had a great time. And um, we drove from Lake Como down to Monaco. And on the way to Monaco, the wheels were shaking on the car. And I thought the wheel bearings were going. And all four wheels on the car started vibrating. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then this is going to be expensive. Anyway, we pull into Monaco. The first garage we see is Porsche. Porsche Monaco. I pull up outside, and I'm sweating. I had no money back then. I have no money now again, but, uh, but I have really had no money then. And um, what happened? Uh, we think we worked out we had about £800 on us between us on credit cards we could use. So we go in there cap in hand and we just say look you know there's something majorly wrong and they came out and they were like wow we never see these here they were like wow you've driven this all the way from Wales and, um, and we were like yep yeah. um, and they were so pleased to see it they said right they pushed the Carrera GT out of the garage <laughs> out of the garage and you've got F1 superstar pictures on the wall you've got F1 helmets from all the races there incredible scene all these posh cars and I've got some lovely photos of these uh, of this, uh, maybe I'll share them with you to, to use. But uh, they worked out the person who fitted the KW suspension for me hadn't done it right, and it was all falling off the car. 
They refitted all the suspension. They realigned the whole car over a space of four or five hours. They did the whole thing. And then I'm like, right, okay, how much do I owe you? Oh, they fed us. They got us lunch as well. I like Monaco lunch in a Porsche dealership. Incredible. We're sat there sweating. They're like, well, this is, we're gonna, we, we can't pay. We can't pay this. They said, we're so pleased to see you here. There's no bill. Amazing. They said, we're not going to... We're not going to charge you. And I, you know, I've got a tear in my eye and I'm like, I can't believe this from a Porsche dealership. Try that in the UK. They would just charge you anything. They said, yeah, we're so pleased. And we're so pleased that you're driving the Porsche brand at a young age. Uh, we're just pleased to see you get on your trip and have a nice time. So we went around and we just had some euros. We gave everyone euros in the garage to buy some beers and we drove home. Because of that single moment of kindness, I'm a Porsche fan till I die. Yeah. I wrote to Porsche in, um, I'm not sure where the head office is. Was it Berlin or the head office in Berlin where the medium team was or something along the lines? Or would it have been Stuttgart? Is that Stuttgart for Porsche? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stuttgart. And I told them all about it and they wrote back to me and they said, that's the Porsche way. <laughs> you know, they said they encourage everyone from a young age to come in and they said anyone can test ride their cars whenever they want, no matter what they're wearing or what they do. And that's a nice thing. That's great marketing. Um, so, yeah. So, fast forward. From 2009 to 2019, 10 years later, I sold my business. What's the first car I go and buy, Mike? Got to be a 911, right? Got to be a 911. I walked in and I said, hey, I want to buy a 992. They had just come out. And um, I was like, I want to buy a 992 and I want to buy it cash. And um, they didn't believe me. (laughs) 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 And it was a lovely feeling. I bought a C4S silver with blue leather, Paldeo wood, suede everywhere, Grey wheels, uh, excellent. Um, I drove that for a year, for 13,000 miles on it, drove it to um, Madrid and back in Spain, did a track day there and then came home. And they paid me exactly what it cost to have it back. So I bought another one. And then I went for a 992. I had a black one, um, manual, rear wheel drive, lightweight pack, carbon brakes on gold wheels or bronze wheels on it, and that was a sexy car. And again, they, they call you and they say, oh, you know, you can sell that car for what you bought it for, you know, again. So that's, so, so those those have gone. I've had them, and they went, and we spent the money, and have your, but, uh, or I forget to think. <laughs> and uh, and um, wonderful experience, and I'm glad I got to say I owned them and had them, you know, but uh, they weren't being used, you know. Uh, um, you know, uh, I've got a little girl, and uh, they're not, the, they, they say it's a family car, but it's not really. And, um, so anyway, so that's my that's where my passion for Porsches come from. Yeah, yeah, it's class, and and like the thing is, you know, I I was home I don't know a few weeks ago, um, and I, the thing I always think of as soon as I come home is like I miss driving, right? Because I'm I'm in Oklahoma City, the roads are straight, you know, the, the it's not windy roads up a mountain, even though the the roads are a lot smaller back home, you know. I, I didn't realize until I saw it how big a 911, the new one is on the road, as well as like even just the new Mustangs, you know, they're on the, you see a few bouncing around back home and they're massive and out here they're not, right? Out here you get a 911, it's like, oh, it's not, you know, just a normal car, but back home on the road, they're huge, but I'm sure you still had some fun in, you know, taking them up the mountains and and the, the great thing about where you're located, you know, where Baffle is and Low Classics is, like you are straight into the mountains, aren't you? We are in the Brecon Beacons. Uh, which is a national park in Wales, in South Wales. And we are blessed with some of the nicest roads in the UK. Uh, miniature versions of the Alps, I suppose. Miniature versions of Alps roads, you know, twisting, turning, hairpins, long stretches over mountains with epic views. And, um, yeah, Baffle is at the foot of that, as, as is Low Classics. And so people can come here and have a test drive, and we can take them on some really sexy roads uh, with some gorgeous dropbacks. 
uh, uh, or backdrops even. And not more than on one occasion, people who were test driving the car would look at me and go, you knew what you were doing bringing me up here. You know, because they just fell in love with like a manual R8, you know, shifting through the metal gate, gated, gated shifter up over mountains and all the rest of it, or the beautiful little Lancia we saw, various other cars. And yeah, we're blessed where we live. I didn't like it at one point. I didn't like Wales. I, um, I've grown up here, but I moved to London. I was like, oh, Wales is rubbish. Like, it was boring, you know? And um, I lived in London for six or seven years doing my trade as an engineer before I started my business. And I found myself towards the end of being in London, missing Wales so much. Clean, fresh air for a start. You can't put a price on that. The people, hospitality, the rugby, uh, obviously, and um, and the food and drink, and just this where you're from. You know, I mean, I'm, I've got close ties to it, and so I mean, I can see a little tear in your eye now. Yeah, no, I, I do. I, it's funny. It's like the one thing that I, the one thing I, you know, people tell me like, you know, why why don't you live in Wales or the other thing, and the only thing that generally the first thing i kind of tell them is like out and 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 you've assume you've been to the states as well and you know plenty of people who've you know traveled a bit like it's it's i think it's easier to be an entrepreneur here than it is back home well that's interesting i always thought um i always thought i was going to live in america and work in america and i always had this uh, massive massive thing to be in california uh always wanted to and it's i thoroughly enjoy now seeing the car scene over there like period correct clothing uh, in California, Singapore, uh, and all those little micro brands or vector of turns into huge brands. Yeah. But all those kind of that cottage industry of amazing, amazing car culture that you have over there. For me, there's, there's like a triangle of car culture. Like for me, it was the UK. Yeah. Huge car place. Yeah. Small, tiny little island full of petrol heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Motorsport here is massive. Car culture here is massive. And, it, and over here, the genres of car culture is a melting pot. Just like the culture of all the people who live here. It's a culture. It's a melting pot of car culture, which is great if you're a car enthusiast in the UK. Then you've got your American car culture, okay? And you've got your, your Americans. They do things a little bit differently car, with car culture, you know, which is great. And we all buy into that over here, and we love it. And there's pockets of that in the UK. But then the next place for car culture, for me, in my opinion, is Japan. Mm-hmm. So you've got that. That's like the triangle for me of car culture. You've got America, and then you've got Britain, states, Britain, Europe. Yep. Um, but like all the European cars, we love them in Britain. Um, and I, I class Europe. I class. I'm, I'm one of these who um, I class Britain and France, Germany, all the rest of Spain. Like we, we can drive to all these places. Yeah. So it's like one big yeah. And in the, the road trip is a big thing. You know, to go abroad, Europe in a road trip, um, which I adore. Um, and but yeah, Japan for me. I've never been. I'd love to go. I love everything I see about Japan, about the car culture over there. And it would be that. That would be that's on my bucket list. I know uh, we've got Ted Gush. Is that how you pronounce his name? Would you say Ted? So Ted's a motor and journalist, I think, from America and Britain. Okay. And uh, he was petrolicious back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Upload great Instagram page. And um, he seems to make a lot of time for everyone on his on his Instagram page and chat to everyone. That's lovely to see. I like that. And uh, he's, he turned, I think, from, I think he's turned, he's, he's on the lens now, isn't he? He does a lot of photography. Sure. And um, anyway, I thoroughly enjoy the that he puts out. And... Um, I think he's just done a little, so his, his Instagram page, uh, he's, he's recently done a trip to Japan uh, from Japanese car culture, but also European cars in Japan. Obviously, they love British cars in Japan as well and minis. Uh, but anyway, so for me, there's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Might, I'm sure there's other countries that are going to say, no, we, we've got car culture. But 
for me personally, they're the three that I enjoy. Yeah, the only and other that, one, the only other place I would throw in there now, which is emerging, which is Dubai, but it's also full of expats as well, and they have more money than send, more money, than, more money than they know what to do with out there. And I love, you know, obviously like um, who is it? The guy who founded Caffeine Machine was out there for a long time, and that's kind of where he got the inspiration. And there's, um, you know, the Car Cafe, which I think is in one of the tracks, and then you've got, you know. Flat 12, I think, which is another one that I follow on Instagram that's doing great things. Like, that's the thing about, you know, about being out here is, you know, I, I it's, you know, today is Sunday. Yesterday we had, you know, first Saturday of the month is a, is a coffee and cars in, in Oklahoma City as it is in most most places. And, you know, the cars that we have turn up and you, you come to Oklahoma City and I hope you get here one day because I'd love to have you here. And it's, the you know, like one of the guys who, um, who is a kind of a local business owner here, he rolls up and he, he bought a Bugatti um, Veyron from Manny Koshbin in Miami. And it was a, and I had him, his, his story is incredible. He was on my other podcast uh, about Oklahoma and he started cutting grass when he was a kid, mowing lawns, you know, doing all that, went into, um, you know, proper landscape design. And his, you know, he, uh, he got interviewed by, um, Ed Bolian and Vinwicky the last year because he turned down a Ken Miles Ford GT because he wanted one in Miami blue for his own and he's put in my I mean he his story's incredible I have to send uh, and his name's Andy Nelson and I'll link it to you but you know what I'm saying is like the car you're right the car culture is everywhere and the stuff that shows up you know you've got you know this this lady showed up yesterday and she's got a backdated outlaw something 911 you know and she gets out and, yeah. and we're standing yeah. around it and this guy comes over and he's like oh you know it's like four guys and, a, and a, like you know a middle-aged woman standing there and he looks and he's like oh so who owns the car and the lady's like oh it's mine you know and she's like some accountant right. or financing just like you'd never say that that was her car and it's mint um uh, right. you know you've got so much stuff and my dogs are going nuts because there's someone at the front door probably there's Greg's going crazy um, but yeah like it, it, the beauty of it right is it brings so many people together and that's kind of why I named this podcast what I did you know random car guys it's just because we're all a bunch of randoms we love absolutely random things but it brings us together and I love the mm-hmm. fact that what you said earlier you know the community that you've created at Baffle you know you're giving guys and uh, giving guys a reason to get on their bike to come out you know and for some of these guys that you know that you know when when it's back home and it's kind of hard to explain to people who aren't from the UK or Wales but in especially in the winter right when it's back home it's been pissing down for 3 weeks straight you know, you That's are, right now. you know, yeah, you're, you're Monday to Friday. It's in the winter. You know, you get up, you go to work. It's dark by four o'clock. You know, you yeah. kind of get home, have a cup yeah. of tea, have dinner, watch TV. Right. But when it comes to the weekend, you just, you, you, out here, I don't think people live for the weekend as much. Um, people work way too much out here anyway, but the weather right. lets you do stuff after work or back home, you know, for yeah. you, I'm not, you know, it's just great to hear that you have built a community for people. And that's probably something that you, you know, was just a byproduct of you just opening up a coffee shop for car guys or, or bikers, right? You didn't yeah. think that someone was going to come to you and say, this gives me a reason to get out of bed and live and, you know, live today. So, so um, it, it really is that. And um, to put it in perspective, today was a wet, cold in uh, December day, December the 4th. And we're heaving. We're full. You know, we've got cars uh, from Lambos to um, Aston Martins to Porsches um, to Toyota Yaris GRs. I'm not sure if you have those over there with you guys. But no, we don't. They have the, yeah, they have the Corolla GR here now because the Yaris is too small. But that Yaris looks... I, I, I mean, I'm, we're from Wales. We grew up watching WRC, right? Like, it's just yeah, the yeah. greatest thing ever. 
So that is, um, they're great cars. If you ever get to have a go in one when you come over next, uh, if Toyota want to bring one up or something, that'd be nice. But uh, they guys, they guys, their sales guys come here for coffee, and uh, I've driven one. And um, just think of a, a, a four wheel drive go kart. Incredible. Yeah, we just drove up the roads. I pitched it left into a car park space, and then pitched it right down a country lane. And my God, it just gripped and went. So yeah, yeah, all within the limits. Yeah. But, um, uh, but um, we um, we say about the guys that one of the big things that baffle is the girls, and um, we have a massive, massive, massive uh, group of petrolhead females. So this afternoon, um, two ladies who dressed nowhere near what I expected them to dress like were driving a Defender, and then they got out really dressed up really well, and uh, they were driving an old beaten up Defender. You know. So that's cool, really cool. And then um, we've got this massive clique of, um, of female bikers and female petrol heads and all the rest of it. And so Baffle is a massive melting pot for that as well. And that's really nice to see. And um, yeah, long may it continue. I think it's, um, it does. It feels special. Yeah, like that's the thing is is I and I I would you know I I'm kind of. I don't know why no one's done that here yet, right? Because of, you know, you have a thousand people show up to a coffee and cars, you know, and it, it was freezing here yesterday. And, you know, there's still people there at 7.30 in the morning, you know, and, and wow. like they need, we need a clubhouse, we need a home. And like, I, uh, I, I, I really want to do it myself because I've, you know, I've been to Baffle, I've been to Caffeine and Machine, uh, you know, and I just okay, think... Yeah, like let's go. Yeah, like what that would be incredible, right? Like, and you're just kind of trying to find, you know. And there's obviously the 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 thing is out here, right? There isn't driving roads, so I don't think it matters too much where you are. I mean, there are driving routes that people go on, but I don't think it matters. You know, you've obviously got to be. I think part of the, if you're starting a business, you think right, I want to be in a place where you know there's there's a lot of income, there's good money here. You know, people drive fancy cars, but also. That's not really what it's about, is it? It's about car guys. It's not about making a ton of money. It's about making a home or a clubhouse for people who love to do and come out and do car shows. So I've been toying yeah. with the idea for a while and just kind of thinking, all right, I need to do just this. Do I need to start with, even if it's just renting a space first and then, you know, you're yeah. growing it into building your own spot or warehouse or whatever it is. I mean, the one in, uh, what is it? There's there's one in the States. Is it the Garage Collective in in, in California? Yeah, yeah. That, like, that place is yeah. just, you see that and you're like, that is the dream, right? People so, yeah, people that. paid that. There's like a country club, golf club membership t- style place, right? And, you know, there's a place here, They they but they're, they're very pr- not. They're very private. They're very selective. It's a storage place with kind of like a lounge, and you buy a membership, right? Whereas, I think the baffle model and the caffeine machine model is a little. Oh, you probably do. You know, I know caffeine machine sells memberships, so it's mostly for privileged parking. Yeah. Like, I think it's better yeah, to yeah. just keep it open to everybody because there is an element of the car world that's very snooty and up nosed and look at me. I totally agree. Look, car culture is about everyone. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's all very well having an exclusive club for exclusive people in exclusive cars, but that's going to get quite boring quite quickly. Right. Yeah. That's rather, you know, I want people to turn up here in a, uh, you know, in a rally, in a rally prep uh, Fiesta, Ford Fiesta, you know, 1.3. And you've got a young kid who's a future petrol head, and then he's rubbing shoulders with someone in the car park who's in a 200,000 pound Porsche. Right. And that's life, you know, and that's everyone. You, I, like, I wouldn't want a place that wasn't inclusive. We want everyone in here because uh, these younger lads who are in these um, worst cars or not as cool cars or not as good cars, I mean, they're cool to them and it's their passion, you know, and I love that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is these souls as well and they need to rub shoulders with these people. These people might have been where they were 30 years ago. I know I most certainly was myself. And I'm all about that, building people up and giving them the um, giving them the confidence and, uh, and just saying, like, come on, you can do this. You can get that car, you know? 
Mm-hmm. I would always put a picture of the one on the wall, you know, even with the Porsche, even now, you know, if there's something I want, I change my desktop screensaver and I make it that next goal. And you visualize that stuff and you make it happen, you know? Yeah. So tomorrow, put of your new cafe okay yeah well i'm just kicking around on the on the internet of what's available right now and there is a spot that's like just off the motorway that used to be a cafe and it's like it's on a bit of an acre so it uh and it is for sale so i might have to uh i have to make some inroads and get into that but um one thing i want i want to talk about because you did mention it uh well first of all what's on the back what's on the desktop right now what's next what are we chasing uh, that's a very good question. My my computer blanked the other day, so it's blank. Sierra Nevada. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> because it's back, I think it's Sierra Nevada. So actually, you've caught me out there. Um, at the moment, um, not a lot actually. Actually, I don't want to. I don't want to upset you, but um, I'm, I'm I'm in the middle of a divorce. So Do I'm, you? I'm not doing. Do you I'm not lean, doing a lot of stuff at the moment at all. Do you lean to, all right, well, it, it, for, all right, forget like recent, can, you know, recent situations and, and current situations. Yeah. Do you, do you kind of lean towards, oh, I want a new GT3 or do you lean towards, I want a oh. resto mod Camaro, so, uh, you know, road going absolute V8 monster from the States? Okay. So if I, if you said to me, can I have two cars tomorrow? Yeah. One race car, one road. Let's go down that road. Um, I know the answer to that. So I'd have an M1 Pro Car. Uh, BMW M1 Pro Car is my favorite race car of all time. I don't care. It's not 20 million quid. It's probably a million pound now or a hundred or a million dollars. But I love those cars. I love the sound of them. I like the dodgy aluminium roll cage in it. I uh, The fact that it's probably a death trap. I like the fact that that car was built by BMW and Lamborghini and Lamborghini pulled out. BMW finished it and they made an even better supercar of the day out of it. And the look of it, I'm an 80s kid, you know? I was born in 82, and um, I love those cars. I love the one-mate racing that they did in them. They gave them to the Formula One drivers, and I remember at Monaco they had all these cars in them and all the rest of it. And this is just Senna days, I think. I'm pretty sure. And um, the F1 drivers liked them so much, but they, instead of, because they're all white, red, and blue, M, M, M colors to start with. They liked them so much, they put them into their teams, and then all of a sudden you had Marlboro ones, you had Lucky Strike ones and all this kind of stuff. Other cigarettes are available. And um, the, um, but yeah, anyway, um, and they raced the ass off them, and they raced them before they raced the F1 races. And they, they, they you know, it was touring cars, basically, or GT racing, but before F1s. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, they look mega. So I want, I want, I want one of those, and that's a big goal for me. Ten years' time, I want to be sat in one racing at the Mont Classic. That would be great. Um, road car. Any road car at the moment, I mean, you could, I mean, if money's no object, you could go crazy. You could go down the Ferrari route and spend mega bucks. But I'm a Porsche guy. And I'd have a singer. I'd have, um, I'll tell you a singer story about Singer. Now, um, I need to remember the gentleman's name who owns Singer because I've, I had an email from him. When Singer first started, I wrote Singer. Is it Rob something? Yes, Rob Boy. And um, here's a story about Rob. Uh, Rob actually, actually now, you know, friends of mine who work um, uh, at Neil Carey is uh, a filming guy. He runs This Is Grip. He's a Welsh lad and he does all Chris Harris's filming. Uh-huh. And uh, their friend, Neil Carey, is a super, super talented videographer, is that what would you say, and, uh, and filmmaker. Anyway, they've been over and they work with Singer a lot. But back in the day, Rob, I said, when Singer first launched, I wrote to Singer, Rob, 
I don't know why I used to write to people back in the day, maybe I was lonely, who knows. But uh, I wrote to him and I said, I just want to tell you that I've got a 944S2 and I love what you're doing with your 911s and one day I'm going to have one of your cars. And guess what? He wrote me a really lovely email back and he said, I believe that you will have one one day. And he said, here's the, uh, the, um, like the login portal for how to build your car, which we only give to customers who are building them. He said, why don't you build yourself one now? And he said, you've got something to look at. Now, how sick is that? How That's cool epic. is that? Yeah. yeah. A Porsche marketing. Uh, he's got that mindset, you know? And so I would have a black one with bronze wheels and a black and white robe woven interior. And I love the fact they weave the lever on the dashboard and they've got all the buttons for the stereo pop out through the weave. Mm. How do they do that? It's magical. I love the details. I love the fact that Rob is a massive detail person. And I wouldn't have the full Dynamics one because for me, that's, that's cool. But that's like a Dubai car, isn't it? You know, that's like an Obtainium. And just like, where would you use it? You know, I would, I would have, your, I'd have your bog standard one and I'd have it so I could use it as a daily and drive it everywhere because they build them so well. I bet they're just as reliable as a Newport, so it's not more. And um, so that's my, you know, what are they? Three, four, five hundred thousand dollars or more. But that's my number one road car. That's what I would have. So if you wanted to say an ultimate goal, yeah, why not? I love that. That is a goal. It's in my mind. I haven't got it on the wall. But in battle, I have got a picture. Top Gear did a spread on Singer when it first came out. It was the greeny, beigey car with the woven, like, uh, light-colored interior on maybe green green wheels. And they did it on matte paper. They did a, they did a pull-out special on matte paper. So I bought it. And it was reversed. The print... So I bought two copies of the magazine and then had it all framed properly. And that's on the wall in our cafe. And then, um, again, massive Porsche fan. But I also like details. I also would like a car. Instead of buying one from years ago, I'd like to buy one which I can choose every single fine detail on. And the list on the Singer site was massive. Like, you could choose everything. Every single thing you can think of, you can choose. I like the fact they nickel plate things, you know? I like the fact the glass on the rear hatch has got all those beautiful holes drilled in it. If it's glass or perspex, it looks like glass. It's got a tint in it. Um, they're the bee's knees. I like the fact that the tyres, they've got a certain profile on it and the tyres just look just right on the wheels. Mm. And then, dear me, I sound like I want a job at Singer Intelligence. <laughs> if you're listening, reach out. You know, I'm, I'm happy to have a chat with you and I'd love to work with you guys. But um, yeah, incredible. I just think what they're doing for me is the ultimate, you know. Um, there is a guy in Wales who's ordered one. He's got one. Uh, at G68APP. On Instagram, he's a, he's, I don't know what his real name is. I imagine it's Gareth, probably. If he's from Wales. <laughs> Gareth Evans. Anyway, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Actually, but he, um, anyway, I don't know this chap. I keep on inviting him to Baffle. I'd love to meet him. Um, but he's got one in Wales. He's got the Welsh the Welsh build, the Welsh I, Commission. I think Newton has a connection to him. I think he has because he's a core Porsche Cardiff customer. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, Tom, Tom has a connection. Get, get up here. A singer at Baffle. Gosh, <laughs> that's a lot we get. You'd have to sell um, tickets for that one, wouldn't you? You'd have to shut the place down. Oh, I love it. I mean, I, yeah. So there we are. To answer your question, there's your ultimate goal. Yeah. For a for me. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Like, for finishing up, because I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, you've got to tell me about this this Scram Rally, African Rally thing, mate, because that looks like mm-hmm. proper, like we are going to the end of the earth and, you know, just, you know. Okay. So I um, when I got into motorbikes, um, one of the nice things about motorbikes, uh, completely different to cars, no music, no mobile phones, no emails, no bacon sandwiches, no cups of tea while you're driving, um, if that's even legal. And uh, the um, you put the helmet on and all you're doing is concentrating on surviving and uh, you know staying alive and being in the moment. And I'm, I'm the type of person I struggle to be in the moment a lot. 
you know, as you can tell from my talks to everyone, you're probably going to have to slow me down for the Americans to understand me. But that's because I'm 100 miles an hour and I've always been like that since I was a kid. And I, I like motorbikes because they chill you out. Uh, for me, I don't go fast on motorbikes. Uh, people will laugh at that because my, ver- my, my version of not going fast is other people's fast. But I, I do chill on motorbikes on the road anyway. And um, I adore them. And uh, one of the nice things about motorbikes is the people. Um, I've met some of them, my best friends and some of the most lovely people through motorcycling, not through cars. Um, and motorcycle people are more down to earth, 100%. And um, it's an affordable hobby that petrol heads can get into and they can fix that stuff themselves, you know, and they can put that bike in their shed. You don't need a big house. You don't need a big thing. But then when you're a biker and you turn up, everyone's the same. It's a leveler, you know. And one of the things that I got into, I bought an old Africa Twin, 2,000 pounds. It had done 50,000 miles, and the engine had never been apart. I jumped on it, and I did the NC500. I did the Scottish, uh, the, the ring road around Scotland with Andrew Harrison from Baffle, my adventure buddy. And that gave me a thirst for something new, for motorbike adventures. You're camping. You're living off the bike. We're, eating, we're drinking cups of tea. Um, you know, you're warming food up on the engine bay, on the engine block. That kind of stuff, you know? Um, Bear grill stuff. <laughs> Probably not. A lot of ham sandwiches. That's it helmet but um i really enjoyed that peace and quiet and i really liked that and um i think as well i think for people who are in the public eye famous people sports people actors whatever they like motorbiking because they put that helmet on and they've got anonymity anonymity whatever you however you may pronounce that people don't know who they are (laughs) and uh yeah so that's really nice and i think it's yeah it's that it's that thing you know you're you're just a normal guy on a bike and that gave me a first adventure. So we started getting in touch with, I mean, through Battle. I mean, I chatted loads of different motorcycle brands, but I made friends with a gentleman called Izzy Doro, who is one of the one of the directors at Fuel Motorcycles in Barcelona. And I had a lovely chat with him, and he said, I got this a trip coming up called Scram Africa. And he said, it's 20 bikes, five or six cars, and we're going to travel from your home in Wales. You come down to Spain, and then we're going to get the ferry across to Morocco. And then we're going to go down all the way through down to the Sahara Desert and then back. And it was one of the best adventures I've ever been on. I was away for probably two weeks or more. And uh, it was incredible. I went on a BMW R75 road bike turn scrambler. Um, we're talking rough terrain. We're talking rough rock shingle. It was a test of endurance for me. I was no way fit enough or healthy enough um, to be doing that event. But I did it. And I came back a lot fitter and healthier. Um, I did have an accident, <laughs> which my friends will laugh about now hearing me say that. Um, yeah, I rolled the bike in the desert, um, uh, or in the, yeah, on a, on a salt bed. But anyway, um, long story short, made friends for life. I highly recommend that trip to anyone. And it was a test of endurance. We were riding for 16, 17 hours a day, maybe 400 kilometers off-road. And that is mental when you're not used to it. We were doing Dakar rally stages on 1970s bikes with hardly any suspension, and you were pinned. And um, so that was fantastic. Food, drink, culture, sleeping out under the stars or sleeping in uh, old like tents, massive tents with all the carpets on the floor. It was like something from Lawrence of Arabia um, or um, I don't know who the genie, what well, that genie Disney film is or something like that, you know. But anyway, um, Aladdin, there we are. And um, I got a big smile on my face now saying this to you because it brings back amazing memories. So We've now been invited on another trip with Triumph and uh, a, ge- a gentleman called Joe Fleming and the Bonafide Motorco in South Africa. So we're doing um, uh, a bit of a work slash motorbike trip in Namibia this 
come in September next year. And so we're going to go on Triumph uh, 1200 Tigers, the new ones. And we're going to do um, just over a week's riding in the in the desert over there and um, up the Skeleton Coast. So once once a year, one of one of my holidays or trips or slash work trip, whatever we can pence, whatever we can get away with, is going to be um, doing these wonderful types of trips. And life is for living, you know. I'm I'm so about that, you know. I want to see the world. I want to do all these things. And um, yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going with a lot of the crew from the Scram from the Scram Africa, so we're going a lot along with uh, people we've ridden before, uh, as well as Battle are coming on this trip. And um, I cannot wait. Yeah, that'll be a really nice thing. Um, I've had a hell of a year, and uh, it'll be you know I've, I've got pretty much I've got a massive I've got a massive year coming up of work, 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 and uh, so that's going to be a little trip in September somewhere to blow some steam off and uh, and get out there and be be with yourself and be at one, you know. Yeah, mate, it sounds awesome. And the thing is, like, you know, I, I, I'm a golfer at heart. I started playing golf from a young age, and that's kind of what brought me to the States. And there's something about right. going on trips with your mates, right? Whether it's bikes, golf, cars, like, you know, you take 10, 15 guys together and you go, you know, I think that's why people love doing the rallies and the whole gumball thing too, right? It's like you're just, you're just in a different country with a bunch of people you might not have met before, you might have known for a few months or whatever, and you just build incredible relationships. You really do. Friendships for life. And um, I think this is a big thing for men anyway. Men, if you go back to, you know, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, men men, men wanted to adventure and roam and do yeah. this. Whereas, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that ladies don't want to, but men have that thirst for really, really for doing adventure and for doing these things, you know. And um, and it's a big part of my life and it's, it's a part of who I am and it's something that makes me extremely happy. And um, yeah, and it's something I'm going to be doing going forward in my life. Yeah, yeah, class. Well, mate, thanks so much for spending an hour, um, you know, telling some stories. I know there's a lot more. We'll have to do this, you know, I think we should do this once a year at least just to keep in touch and see what else is going on. Um, But I'll post the links for everyone listening, you know, at your Instagram, Baffle House, Baffle Culture, Low Classics, all the ones. Uh, We'll post those, you know, people can go follow those ones. And, um, you. you know, I think, I mean, if you want to give us a parting statement or gift you're totally you know I'll, I'll leave the floor to you but if not we can uh, we can bounce gift, and that is um, um, I've had a lot of life realisations recently and that would be that um, it's not all about money everyone um, you can have all the money in your world that you want but it will not make you happy and I'm, I'm proof of that I had um, I had seven figures when I sold my company and we quickly uh, blew the lot and um, it didn't equal happiness picking up those Porsches didn't equal happiness what I have realized recently, very recently, um, is you don't know what it's got to this con. That's number one. And also health is happiness. And your children, if you have children, children are your happiness. And so um, that is what I would leave as a parting gift for everyone is just to say, um, you know, kiss your loved ones. Make sure you go into the gym. Make sure you're eating healthy food and look after yourselves. Okay, because you don't need money if you've got all that. Happy days. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. And uh, for everyone listening, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers.